Okay, so today's episode as a whole is about making major life decisions and the lessons I've learned from those. But in order to kind of understand what led me to make various life decisions this year, I feel like I need to provide a bit of context. I'm someone who's always gone a hundred miles per hour, like took every single AP class that my high school had to offer plus doing mock trial, plus doing sports, plus doing, plus trying to maintain a little bit of the social life. And then in college, I worked 40 hour weeks each week doing retail or various jobs in addition to taking 18 to 21 credits per semester um, because I was double majoring with a Russian minor. So it was quite a lot at once. And was also involved in my sorority, held leadership positions. I just didn't know the word balance. It was everything, got my 100% all the time. And then when I graduated college, I went straight into grad school while also working full time. So I was doing a full grad school workload because I'm crazy and refused to do it just part time. So I took a full load of courses in addition to working at an agency, which if anyone knows like communication agency life, like you're never just working eight hours a day. And that was fine. I loved what I did. I love the culture, but once again, I refused to let anything slip. So I was going straight, straight from work to either grad school or like either in-person grad class or doing homework online and then I'd go to the gym and then I'd sleep and then I'd repeat and then I'd have a little bit of a social life sometimes on the weekends and it was just a lot of chaos like I remember there was one summer when I was still an undergrad where I would wake up at six in the morning go to my internship at ABC7 go from that to a summer class I was taking and the summer class drive back home to my parents, whom I was living with that summer. Every day was easily a 16-hour day that summer. And the thing was, it just never occurred to me to be any other way. Even when I was exhausted, even when I was anxious or stressed, it's just what I felt was expected of me. Like, it's just what you do. Like, whenever anyone's tried to say, like, oh, that's impressive, or like, that's a lot. Maybe you should slow down. I've never known what to say because as I said, it's just what you do. Especially I was raised with this mindset that kind of your worth is dictated by what you're achieving, what you're accomplishing, how you're perceived. And it wasn't intentionally harmful by any means. And on the one hand, that probably served me well in the sense of being driven to accomplish quite a bit, but it also is to my detriment because I never really prioritized like what is going to make me happy? What do I actually want to be doing? What isn't just the next goal on the to-do list? Because always working towards your next goal and never, you know, relishing in the current one, it can be exhausting. And I think I was honestly burnt out by the point in my senior year of undergrad and I just ignored it. I just kept going, kept pushing through grad school, kept pushing through working. And I don't think I really hit 
my burnout breaking point per se until everything happened my dad. And don't get me wrong, I am so grateful for all the opportunities I've had. Very lucky that I was in one of the top programs for communications for grad school. I had a great undergrad experience. I made so many friends through being involved in my sorority and other on-campus extracurriculars. But as I said, it can be exhausting. It can all end up taking kind of a toll on you. And I don't think it all caught up to me until everything with my dad's hospitalization and being in the hospital and trying to balance everything during that, that things started to slip and cracks started to show. Particularly following his death, I, I still tried really hard to keep it together. I actually planned a friend's birthday party five days after my dad's death because I just, I wanted to be fine. And I thought if I believed I was fine, everything would just be okay. So this is kind of um, hard to share to say the least. But once those cracks started showing after my dad's death, I just was trying to do anything and everything to deny them. Literally like was in full-blown denial. I could not accept my emotions. I could not start to process my grief. So instead I just went to the extreme and everything. I was still going a thousand miles per hour at work. I was still making all these social plans. I started partying like four nights out of the week. And when I'm saying partying, I mean getting like blackout drunk four nights of the week. Anyone who saw me during that period saw I wasn't drinking just to have a good time. It's not like now when I go out with my friends to a bar and we're just having a good night, like singing, dancing. I was, for all intents and purposes, self-medicating. I just wanted to feel numb. And for a while there, it worked. Like I just could pretend I was okay. I could just go out, try to have a good time, not feel my feelings. But eventually the cracks became wider and I started being extremely anxious basically all day, every day. And so what did I do? Instead of actually addressing that anxiety, I started basically having an edible a day. I just otherwise couldn't function. It wasn't every single day. Like I wasn't working high. I wasn't, you know, seeing all my friends all the time high. Like it wasn't every single day, but it was whenever I just felt like the world was crushing. Whenever I just felt so anxious at the idea of processing any of my grief or emotions that I just, I couldn't stand it. I felt like I was going to crumble. Like I quite literally did not know how to process these emotions at least in a healthy way. And the thing is, I'm not ashamed of anything I did during that period. Don't be wrong. Some things were downright reckless and endangered myself quite a few times. Quite a few times I woke up not knowing whose apartment I was in. Quite a few times did I just, you know, say embarrassing things or do embarrassing things or get a little too messy. But when I say I'm not ashamed, what I mean is I was honestly doing the best I could. And while that may not sound like it, that was all I had to give at the moment. Like that was all I had left in me. Like I had no emotional wherewithal to give to anyone else. I was completely shot. I remember one time, also God bless my friends for anyone who stuck by me during this time. I have such a great group of friends and I'm so so lucky to have them because I remember this one specific memory like two in the morning and everyone left except for my one friend and I'm sitting in my apartment and I just start breaking down I just start sobbing and I go Megan I'm just exhausted I'm exhausted 
And I just keep repeating, I'm exhausted. Nobody gets it. I'm smiling and I'm walking and I'm talking and I'm going to work and I'm going on dates and I'm hanging out with friends and I'm doing all the things that make it seem like I'm okay, but I'm exhausted. And she just goes, Jenny, I know. Honestly, I needed to let those cracks show because I was holding on by a thread, but I was faking it. At no point did most people who know me see me without a smile on my face. To me, not trying to have this like masquerade of like, I'm fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Those closest to me, obviously, like saw the cracks and were concerned, you know, from from a they care about me standpoint, but I just wasn't ready to listen to them and I wasn't ready to address any of it yet until honestly I got to the point where I had to. So I think everything pretty quickly ended up catching up to me. And I think it's because you can only hold in your emotions for so long. You can only go without acknowledging them, feeling them, crying about them for so long and just pretending you're okay for so long before your body literally just forces you to acknowledge them. And that's kind of what started happening. Anyone who knows me knows I don't really shut up. Obviously, like my living is based on communications, like working working for communications agencies. I started a podcast because I don't shut up. That's just who I am. But I became quiet. Like anyone who's close to me, you wouldn't really hear from me. Like, I wasn't going out as much. I wasn't seeing anyone as much. And if you saw me, like, I would zone out quite a bit. Like, you can kind of see, like, the change on your face. Like, I I was there, but I wasn't there. Like, I would just zone out mid-conversation. Like, I just couldn't be present. I would disassociate. doesn't matter if I was going for a walk with a friend in a bar in the grocery store with someone like I would just zone out. And when that happened, naturally everyone's like, are you okay? And the thing was, I don't think I understood that like me zoning out was just my body starting to tell me like, you're not okay. Like you need to rest. Like you can't have all this energy into this conversation into faking being okay. Like you're tired, slow down. And this was such a negative mindset to have. And keep in mind, I have such a double standard when it comes to myself. Like I've never judged anyone for having any mental health issues, for resting, for prioritizing themselves. Quite the opposite. I've always advocated for everyone to take that time to rest and to prioritize their own well-being and mental health. But I've never done that for myself. And I've always kind of had this internal dialogue of you're weak or it's shameful to rest. It's you know, shameful to take a break. Like if you can't bear this weight, if you can't handle it, like you're weak, you're not being strong enough, you know, mentally, emotionally strong enough. And I think that's what took literally my body forcing me to break down essentially to make me rest and to kind of start shifting that mindset. So essentially like I was having really bad anxiety. I was still self-medicating. I was zoning out when I saw people, but everything just started to get increasingly worse pretty quickly. Like I had some days where I just wouldn't leave my bed. I just wouldn't eat. Like I just could not get myself to function. Like when I say I was fighting every day, like I was fighting this internal battle to be like, you should be getting up. You should be eating. What's wrong with you? Why aren't you doing these things? And that's just not helpful to be like so critical or harsh on yourself in this moment instead of giving yourself some compassion 
And it was only later on when I started really like not just going to therapy, but doing the work in therapy, if you know what I mean. Like during this whole period, I was going to therapy. And I've always been someone who's honest with my therapist. She knew exactly what I was doing. And I was told every week it wasn't healthy and that I was in denial and that it was going to catch up to me. And then I just ignored it because I was like, no, I'm fine. Because I couldn't admit to myself that I wasn't. But essentially, all of the anxiety, all of the depression, all the grief started catching up to me. Like it wasn't something I could hide any longer, essentially, from everyone around me. Like my behavior would become a little erotic, to be honest. Like you could just see or you could just hear the franticness and the anxiety in some of my conversations. I got to this point where I had the Taylor Swift concert in June in Pittsburgh. And then a vacation in Florida scheduled immediately after that. So in my head, I was like, okay, finally acknowledging I'm unwell, but I have these fun things. Like, I'm sure that's all I need. Just like some rest, relaxation, vacation. So mentally, I just was like, I just need to get myself to that concert, to the vacation, because honestly, I almost, <laughs> I almost skipped the concert. I almost canceled the vacation. That's what a horrible place I was in. Anyone who knows me knows I love Taylor Swift, knows I love going on girls trips with my friends. But I just, when you're in that mental state, you're not using logic. You're just making decisions based on how anxious and sad you feel. And that was all compounded by the facts. My dad was my best friend. He understood me like nobody in my life understood me. Like he always knew exactly what to say. He was the person I called whether I was sad, happy, wanted to share a joke, wanted to get in a little argument. Like I was a daddy's little girl, right? Like he, he was my everything. Sorry, this is really hard to talk about still. <laughs> and losing him sometimes made me feel like I was completely alone. Despite the fact that I have like an amazing brother, I have amazing friends. I just felt completely alone sometimes like when I was going through this because I knew he would get it. I knew he'd give me a hug if he was here, but he wasn't. So I just felt like I needed to go through it mostly alone. And this was compounded by the fact that during this period, I felt like I didn't have another parent to turn to. My mom um, has always had pretty extensive mental health issues. And sometimes those kind of supersede the needs of those around her. And so during this period, I couldn't turn to her. And so I, well, I did really enjoy the Taylor Swift concert, don't get me wrong. I cried like a little baby during it. When they played the song Seven on Father's Day, I cried like a little baby. And then every single day of the Florida trip, I still managed to like have a panic attack or cry in public every single day of that trip. I mean, I still had a lot of fun moments, like my friends and I still had a really good time. But like, I remember there was one day that was particularly horrible where like, I just started crying at the dinner table and our poor waitress was so bewildered. Like, it wasn't even funny, but it is kind of funny of like, I was literally supposed to be eating one of my favorite meals. Like, I think it was like steak and red wine. And my friends were literally like, Jenny, like, this is your favorite meal. Why are you crying? But I was just losing it. And to be fair, at one point or another on that trip, 
one of us was always down bad at one point. Like one of my friends got really sick. Another one was going through a breakup, like a recent breakup. It ended up still being like a good trip, but we were also holy. Like we were just, (laughs) we were like respectively messes at various points throughout this trip. But that's how you can be when you're with your best friends. Like you can be a mess and no one's going to judge you. And I know I'm like kind of laughing at it now, but like it really wasn't funny. Like it was pretty bad having like either a panic attack or crying every single day. And that's kind of how I knew. Like it wasn't that I just needed vacation. It wasn't that I just needed some time away from like Virginia or work or different environment. Like I needed rest. I I was at my wit's end. I also don't know if I mentioned this, but this was also a point where I was literally prescribed panic attack medicine for how often I was having them and for like how kind of detrimental to my like everyday life they had become. And so I was taking those. And the thing was, it just wasn't enough still. Like the medicine that I had was for like when I had a panic attack, kind of like a quick calmer, but I still wasn't on like preventative medication yet, um, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But essentially I get back and the day I get back, I just, I go in to work that morning and my manager is there and I'm pretty sure she thought I was crazy because I once again, just start crying And I say, I'm so sorry. I know this is really unprofessional, but, and don't get me wrong. They were so great during everything with my dad. Like I worked kind of an adopted schedule during that point. Like I took a few weeks off, like after his funeral, like they were nothing but supportive, but still like, I knew this wasn't professional to cry and I didn't go in there meaning to cry, but I go in and I just lose it. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I can't do this anymore. I don't have anything in me left to give. Like, I, I don't care about any of it. Like, I can barely get out of bed in the morning. I've been having panic attacks every day. I didn't say all this, but like, this was my mindset going in. I'm like, I just can't do this anymore. And my manager was so amazing about it. She's so gracious. She's like, okay, you need a break. Let's see like what we can accommodate. So essentially, like if anyone's heard of like FMLA, like end up crafting this like, kind of plan that's I'd be granted an extended period of leave where I couldn't be fired and I would still have my health insurance. I'd be protected. So it was honestly like the most ideal thing because I went in there fully prepared to quit, which I know I'm saying from like a very privileged standpoint, like when most people, when they get to this point of burnout or anxiety or depression, can't just up and quit their jobs. I am very lucky that I, I did have inheritance from my dad. I did have savings from working for years. And I also knew that if pushed came to shove, I had family members who would help, that would step in if it was an emergency. And not that I wanted to rely on anyone else, but I knew I had a safety net if I absolutely needed it, worst case scenario. But this was the first kind of personal major life decision I made that would kind of end up propelling me into this period of like actually having to deal with my emotions and actually having to heal. I hate using the term like find yourself, but really figure out who I am now in a world without my dad. Like my therapist put this so eloquently one day. She's like, you've lost every single sense of stability that you've ever had. Like 
you are figuring out how to live in a world without your dad, without the person you thought you were, without the partner you thought you were going to spend your life with. And now I made the decision, you know, to add leaving my job on top of that. Like it was just a lot of change this year. It was, I'm not going to lie. It's difficult. It was difficult. And if you think I left my job and then I immediately started journaling and meditating and being all right again, wasn't the case. I think once I left my job, I spent a solid two weeks as a zombie. I barely, barely slept. The only thing I mostly got out of bed for was to go and walk. I think my friends did a really good job of like saying, you know, like no pressure to hang out, no worries to hang out, but do you want to come do this? And would literally like basically drag me out of the house to like go to a restaurant to eat food, to get myself literally just out of my house out of my apartment. And needless to say, I did have days that were really good. Like I moved during this period. I still did fun things. Like I went to Chicago, but and not, not in a woes me way. Like I had a really great time in Chicago. Like I made some new friends. I ate a lot of food, but you can't control when anxiety or depression hits. Like that's the thing. Like you can mitigate it with medicine. You can mitigate it with like retraining your mind, but you can't control it. And even at this point, I wasn't really in a place to mitigate it either. Like I was still kind of learning those tools. Despite all the fun I had and all the amazing things I did, I still had a day where I didn't leave the couch for 12 hours. When I say I didn't leave the couch, I wasn't even like laying on the couch watching TV or scrolling on my phone. I mean, I think that was single-handedly one of the most depressed days I've ever had in my life where I just laid on this couch and did not move for 12 hours. As I said, it sounds silly to say that, but I just wasn't in a good headspace quite yet. So one of the other things I'd consider a major life decision is deciding to actually go on medication for my anxiety and depression. So if anyone knows what an SSRI is, there's like basically just like a serotonin booster and it's a combination meant to treat both anxiety and depression. The issue is every single person reacts differently to them. And I had probably the worst side effects of my life on the first two. So the first one I was on had started like a week prior to while I was in Chicago. The first one, I got more depressed, which I'm mentioning because this is actually what led to the episode in Chicago where I couldn't function. Like, I did not feel like myself. When I say, like, I was unwell, like, that is the most unwell I've ever been in my life. When I got back from Chicago, I called my psychiatrist and she's like, that can happen with that medicine. Isn't that freaking ironic? You're on an antidepressant and it makes you literally more depressed, like scarily depressed. But needless to say, I immediately went off that medication at her guidance. And then I started my second one. The second one did not make me more depressed, but it made me literally unable to (laughs) drink caffeine or eat food. And I'm laughing because my personality is basically like 25% iced coffee, 25% being a foodie, liking to try new foods, 
25% exercise and like trying to be like somewhat healthy, 25% music and having a soundtrack running in the back of my head at all times. So the fact that this would make 50% of my personality moot was kind of a challenge. But at this point, I was like, okay, I can either be super anxious and scarily depressed, or I can just be nauseous. So I decided to be nauseous. There was like a good month of this. There was like a good month of this where I would go to brunch and then throw up. Not because I wanted to throw up, but because I literally couldn't stomach any food. And where I basically just stopped eating because it was so painful and so nauseating to eat anything that I would have rather just not. Like when I absolutely got to the point where I had to eat something, I just ate like the blandest food, like a peanut butter and banana sandwich or like whatever. And like, it was just a chaotic period. But eventually I got to my breaking point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. I am nauseous if I eat. I'm nauseous if I don't eat. I'm literally like, when I say nauseous, I don't mean like a little stomach ache. Like, I mean, like, felt like I was going to throw up at any given point of any given day, all day, every day. And it was just not, not a good time. So finally, a third time's a charm, I went off of that medication that was causing me to want to throw up all day, every day. And I began a new medication. And I kind of went back and forth for a little bit on whether or not to start this medication when I did, because it was a week before I was supposed to go on a solo trip to Paris and then meet up with some friends in London for a week who lived there. So I didn't want to be dealing with horrendous side effects during this trip, which may seem trivial. Like, oh, if you're anxiety and depression is that, like I had this narrative in my head of like, if your anxiety and depression is that bad, like, why are you willing to like put off this medicine? But honestly, some of these side effects are so bad that I literally was contemplating, like, is it better to be anxious and depressed than like deal with some of these? Like, one of the medicines literally like made me sleep basically like 12 hours a day, like super fatigued. I was just really worried about dealing with all these side effects, but I decided to go on it. And my psychiatrist and my psychologist kind of conferred with each other and were like, we think it'd be good for you to start it. And if you start seeing side effects, like while you're gone, just stop it. Like the worst thing that can happen is just you end up having to like not take it or like stop taking it while you're there. So honestly, like this was kind of like the missing link of like, no matter how much mental work I was doing, I couldn't beat my chemistry. Like I couldn't beat like my body literally being anxious and sad, but this was kind of that extra tool in my toolbox of I needed. Um, so honestly, like I just saw such a change for the better of like kind of this like holistic approach of like taking away medicine plus practicing like everything I learned like through cognitive therapy and doing like all the things that still like were good for me, like exercising, doing affirmations, journaling, doing meditations, doing yoga nidra, like all the things 
that like I needed to be in a good headspace and like be okay and like be the best version of myself, like emotionally and mentally. And honestly, at this point, I was just focused not even on being the best version of myself, but being the most stable. Like stability was what I needed, like emotional and mental stability. And going on that medication, like really felt like myself for the first time in forever. And I'll probably do another episode on the solo travel and that trip, but it was just much, much needed to kind of get back in tune with who I am and what I needed. Like it was the first time in a while where I could wake up every single day and be like, what do I want to do today? And feel like I had the energy to do it and felt like I could prioritize myself and ask like, what are my needs? What needs does Jenny need met today? Which was just a really like refreshing mindset. And like, it was kind of a major decision to go on this trip, like by myself, essentially for two weeks. But I think exactly what I needed. Again, not to say like, oh, just go to a different state or country and I'll cure all your issues. And again, I'm aware that was very in like, very privileged place to where I was able to not only be off work, but like be able to afford this trip. But regardless of that, running away, I wasn't, I'd like to clarify, it wasn't me running away from my problems. I think I just needed to be in a different, a different environment where I could really just be on my own, like spend some really good quality time getting to know myself, getting to know this new version of myself, getting to know the version of myself that exists in a world without my dad, the version of myself that exists with kind of this personality that's evolved over the past year, that's evolved and shifted and kind of just be able to be calm. And that's like a word that was so important to me at the time to just be calm after a year that had been so tumultuous. And ever since I got back from my trip, I've just really doubled down on being my own favorite person, like doing things, prioritizing my needs. And as part of that, I did just earlier this week make another large life decision. I'm in a period of my life where I decided I need a fresh start. Like, And so I made the decision to take another job offer and we'll be starting another position in a few weeks. And it's something where I am really nervous, but really excited to kind of be back in the swing of a routine. I love what I do. Like this time off wasn't because I hated my job or anything like that. It was really just to get me back to a place where I was emotionally myself. And I feel honestly happier than I have been in a long time and looking forward to the future for the first time in a while. Like you know, all these life decisions at the time, I wasn't sure how they were going to work out. I was terrified of leaving my job. Like that's just something that's not my nature to quit, like to rest. Like I was terrified that I was weak for needing that break. I was terrified to need medication, to go on medication. I had this internalized stigma of plenty of people have endured worse trauma and yet you think you need this. Like I was terrified to not return to this position and start a new job. But at the end of the day, like having this kind of blind faith that this is exactly what I needed 
and that everything would work out and that everything would work in my favor is kind of the approach I needed to take and the approach that has served me well so far. So that said, before I kind of go into the lessons learned, I did want to share like a few cheesy quotes related to this that like have really served as like my mantras over the past few months and honestly really like shift my mindset quite frequently. I always remind myself, if it's out of your control, it should be out of your mind. Like if you can't, you can't control what happens in life. You can't control other people's actions. You can't control really anything. Like the amount we have control over in life is actually so minuscule. Really just knowing you can really only control your own actions and your reactions to other people and other things. Like the rest, if it's out of your control, let it be out of your mind. What's meant for me will be, what's not will pass me by. Just having that, once again, like I keep saying blind faith, but really that like blind faith narrative of like, whatever's meant for you will be. Like, whether that's a job, whether that's a friendship, whether that's your romantic partnership, like whatever is meant for you in this life, it will be, it'll happen. Like just having that positive mindset of like, this is going to happen. Like what I want will find me. And then similarly, rejection is redirection. Again, very cheesy. I'm sure everyone's seen that everywhere, but like, it's true. Like I just kept telling myself, like, I didn't know I was going to get this recent job I applied for. I kept telling myself, like, if I don't get it, then that job's not meant for me. Like, it'll suck because I really, really want it. But that just means I'm meant to apply to a different position. I'm meant to interview with a different company. I'm meant to go a different direction. And really reframing from, like, you're never losing anything. It's never your loss. Like, same thing with a person. Like, if they choose not to be in your life, they're losing you. It's not your loss. You don't want someone who doesn't choose you. Like really believing in the positive of like whatever is happening in your life, trying to find the positive in it. And not in like a toxic positivity way. Like obviously I still have days where like I'm like everyone has days where they just need to rest or where they need to like be a little sad or need to scream and yell and be like, this sucks. I'm not talking about being positive all day, every day, every single day. But for the most part, trying to have that overall mindset. Those are just kind of a few cheesy quotes that like, I don't know, they really have made such a big mindset difference in my life. But that said, one of the lessons learned is kind of in line with those of like, just believing it'll all be okay. And this is so much easier said than done. Like, on those days where I didn't know if I was ever going to stop crying all day, every day, or if I'd ever like want to leave my bed again or ever like smile or laugh again, like it was hard to believe that at the time. But just really knowing that like whatever hard emotions you're going through, whatever hard period, it will pass and you'll survive it. And you will be okay. And just really telling yourself like, and I hate that saying that like, if today's not a good day, tomorrow will be, that's bullshit. Like chances, like sure if it's one bad day, but when you're going through a period of your life that just sucks, you can know that it sucks. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't do yourself any favor 
to like lie to himself about it. Like if you know it's sucky period, you know, it's sucky period, but know that the period as a whole will pass and try to find the glimmers of good in the sucky moments and have faith that like, no matter how it works out, it'll work out in your favor, even if it doesn't seem like it, because just because your life isn't necessarily the life you pictured or turning out the way you thought it was going to be, doesn't mean it's not exactly how it's actually meant to be. And it won't all unfold for the better for you. Because that's truly just what I believe that no matter what happens to me at this point, no matter what happens with this job, no matter what happens to my friends, like it's all unfolding how it's meant to. Another major lesson learned was you don't need to prove yourself or defend your decisions to anyone. When I took the time off of work, like a lot of my friends were supportive, a lot of people were, but I had a lot of people being like, are you sure? Like, I'm concerned for you doing this. Like, this seems kind of unreasonable, unrealistic, but I no longer feel the need to prove my worth to anyone. You know, for so long, I thought that my worth was intrinsically linked to what my level of success was, to what I was producing. Honestly, not in a rude way, but when I say I don't care what anyone thinks of me anymore, I genuinely mean that. And that has brought me so much peace, just really only caring what I think about myself. And like, if I can look at myself in the mirror at the end of the day and be happy with who I am and the decisions that I made, that's all that matters to me. And also just knowing like, I don't need to defend my decisions to anyone else because I know that they're what's best for me. And as long as you're prioritizing like your own happiness, what's best for you, that's all that matters. You don't have to rationalize to someone else. You don't have to explain yourself. You don't have to like seek their approval or validation of your decisions. Just sit with yourself and know that you're doing right by you. And that's all that matters. This isn't as much a lesson learned. It's just kind of a reminder to not take for granted the people who stick by you during your worst moments in life. Like, I'm so lucky to have friends that have seen me on the worst days of my life, who have seen me through my dad's funeral, who have seen me through his celebration of life, who have quite literally on numerous occasions climbed into bed with me while I was sobbing, while I was so sad that I couldn't function. And those are the same friends that I've had the brightest laughs with, had the most fun with. And just knowing that like, I have people who have chosen to be in my life, who have chosen to support me through the thick, through the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between means so much to me. And I really wish that for everybody. I hope everyone has at least one person that they can turn to when they're at their lowest. But truly, just don't take it for granted, those people, and make sure you're there for them when they're going through it. Because there's just nothing like someone who sees you like that and has honestly no incentive to be there except for that they care about you. Like, there's nothing in it for them to, like, get in bed with you or to, like, listen to you be sad for, like, months on end except for the fact they care and love about you. Those are the purest, the purest friendships. And 
I can't thank anyone enough who was there for me during that period. Okay, enough with the cheesiness. The one last thing that I will say is when you feel like you're crying, screaming, throwing up, when you're doubting all of the decisions you've made, when you're really uncertain about the future and what the hell you're doing with your life, just remember it will all work out. It will all be okay. That's just the mindset that I want to encourage everyone to have. And not as I said, in a, in a toxic positivity kind of way, like it's okay to be sad. It's okay to have bad days, but overall, don't doubt yourself. Don't doubt that you're making the best decisions for you. Don't doubt that as much as it hurts to go through that you're growing for the better. We all have growing pains. Growing pains are how you know that you're on the right track. So keep going.